That's who uh, created that song, Huey Lewis, I should say. I don't know how much the news had anything to do with it. Uh, but when I think of Back to the Future, I think of Power of Love, Huey Lewis in the news. And I know there's a, uh, a point where when Ghostbusters came out, Ray Parker Jr. wrote this, the theme song for Ghostbusters. But initially, Huey Lewis was asked to write the theme song for Ghostbusters, wanted more money, wanted this and that. We could have had a whole 80s thematic scene of Huey Lewis. You know what I'm saying? Amazing. Could have been him writing the Ghostbusters theme. That would have been amazing. Alternate history. Alternate history. So not sure what timeline we're living in now, but <laughs> welcome to Crosspoint Fellowship. Uh, it's still the one where Huey Lewis wrote Power of Love and This Is It, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe is that, is that right? Right. We may have to go back in time and see if Biff is running the casino still. Okay, we'll see you soon. <laughs> Welcome to Crosspoint Fellowship. This is the Rona timeline. This is the Rona timeline. <laughs> the worst timeline. Uh, go ahead and stand up with me. Let's, let's sing together.
for his forgiveness. Thanks for singing with us. Have a seat. over this man you guys are on fire this morning that was awesome thank you thank you thank you uh in fuego all right uh, a couple of announcements this morning uh ashley thomas was kind enough to have the idea to bring donuts this morning uh on her own accord the church does not endorse they, they are at the bar but we do not endorse the donuts eat them at your own risk okay good luck <laughs> okay, uh, let's see, but we will not stop you. There are a couple of serving opportunity sign-up sheets in the back uh, on the bar, uh, one of which uh, is a baked good sign-up sheet. Uh, there's some folks that we uh, would call family at Cross Point that basically haven't been able to come since like February or March. We miss them a lot, uh, so Jerrica had a really good idea for a baked good sign-up sheet, and there's like a little kind of I miss you card, and of course if you want to include anything else, but if you want to take one of those families and take them uh, some baked goods just to let them know that we miss them, that would be great. Um, and Paul and Jerrica, Jerrica, is the point of contact for, uh, for that. Let's see, and then there will be a church picnic at J.R. Martin Park, Saturday, September 12th from 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, next Sunday, I'll have a, a slide on it. So if you can't remember that, we still have like, yeah, I know. You're like, do the slides. Yes, I know. People have been getting on me about that, and I, I will be better. <laughs> hey, so the slide I made, no, I didn't make this. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea made it. Okay. Uh, but thank you for putting the slide up. So there's a church picnic on Saturday, September 12th. I'm fired. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the pay's terrible. I'm just going to quit. All right. Uh, 3 to 6 p.m., and Paul is going to grill. So that is going to be cool. Uh, he doesn't know it. I just put him up to that. No, I'm kidding. But he is going to grill. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully the weather will hold up. So, And that is all I have for announcements. Who's next? Are we doing the break thing again? Three, two, one, connection break. Now. Ooh, just kidding. It's on now. Okay, well, I'll start over. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Why am I having issues? If you're online, we're glad that you're here watching with us as well. Do want to call your attention to the fact that in two Sundays from now, we are going to have an all-worship Sunday and prayer service. Those have been some really powerful, awesome services for us, so... Want to make sure that you're here for that and plan to be here if you can be. Uh, we are in week four of our series about Ezra called Rebuilding Blocks, Lessons from Ezra. And today we look at sin once again. Today's sermon is titled, That's My Sin. Now, one of the worst things that I think that people can do is make excuses for their actions. As a coach and a teacher, I hear it all the time. Uh, I didn't run my fastest because I hurt my toe walking onto the field. Or a dog ate my homework. Or I didn't have time to do my homework because I was playing video games all night and I forgot about it. Or whatever other excuse they can make, right? I, kids just come with built-in excuses. And that's a, kind of something that they learn and uh, learn to get out of as well as they grow up. But it's really bad, okay? Really bad when you hear an adult do this. And a lot of times when an adult just has a built-in excuse, it's something where you kind of look at and you just think, Hey, man, just grow up already. Like, am I, I'm right, right? Just grow up already. Just take... 
take onus for your actions and take responsibility for what you've done and everything's going to be okay there. It's so much more respectable for a person to take ownership of their actions and their mistakes. And as Christians, it's absolutely necessary for us to be on the forefront of this, for us to take responsibility for the things that we do, especially our sin, especially our sin. In week two of our series, we looked at how we would approach God with repeated sin. And we said that we needed to do three things. I'm going to review them real quick because this sermon kind of builds on top of that. The first thing that we said is that we need to mourn our sin, right? Mourn our sin. Sin causes death. The proper response to death is mourning. And when we mourn our sin, it shows that we understand the gravity of our actions. We also said that we need to surrender and pray and express our shame because that shows God... That, that we are approaching as a beggar, arms open, at, at his, you know, surrendering to, to his judgment, right? And we also said that we need to be specific about our sin, specifically list out what it is that we did that we sinned, not, well, God, I've been less than honest. We need to say, God, I lied, and I lied about this, because when we're specific about our sin, it shows that we truly, truly understand the wrong that we've committed. Well, today we look back at the nation of Israel once again, and it's around the same issue. It surrounds the same issue, right? A, a book, an issue that I said was prevalent throughout, it, throughout the book of Ezra, and that's that the Israelites married outside of their people group. And so we're going to be in Ezra chapter 10 today. If you want to go ahead and turn there, if you follow along with the YouVersion Bible app, you can get in there and follow along our live event. It has all the main points and scriptures today. In Ezra chapter 10, 1 through 4, it says, While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him. They too wept bitterly. Then Shekaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the descendants of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the peoples around us. But in spite of this, there's still hope for Israel. Now, let us make a covenant before our God to send away all these women and their children in accordance with the counsel of my Lord, and of those who fear the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Rise up, this matter is in your hands, and we will support you, so take courage and do it. And the first lesson that we learn here today is this, that we must have a plan for our progress. You must plan your progress. If you hope to overcome sin, you must have a plan of action of how that is going to take place for you. For the Israelites, their plan of progress was a covenant with God. Now, a covenant um, is a godly biblical agreement. I will call it a binding spiritual agreement. Oftentimes it found in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New, but oftentimes found in the Old Testament, uh, an agreement between individuals or the nation of Israel and God. And breaking that covenant had dire consequences. Death, okay, death was one, captivity, uh, a life-altering punishment. It's some really serious stuff. This is taking God, I really hope I don't sin again, to a whole new level. The Israelites came before God, admitted their sin, did the three things that we had talked about, finally took onus for their sin, took responsibility for their actions. It wasn't just Ezra here praying on their behalf. It was the people of Israel coming forward and recognizing that they had done wrong and coming to God and then coming up with a plan of action to overcome it. And their plan of action, again, was that covenant. And the lesson here is, as I've already said, that we must plan our penance. We must plan our penance. How are we going to repay God, so to speak, for our sin. And what I mean by that is, how are we going to make sure that we don't continually rack up that sin debt with God? We're continually doing the same thing over and over again that we didn't want to do. How do we take steps 
to make sure that it doesn't happen to us. Too many of us sin and then think, ah, shucks, (laughs) well, that was bad. I sure hope that it doesn't happen again. Or, man, I, I hate when I do this. Shame on me. I'll do better next time. And then we continue to sin and sin and sin and sin. But the problem is we don't actually take realistic steps to make sure that we nip that sin in the bud. What are some realistic steps that we can take? The first, I would say, is get an accountability partner. Find somebody that you can tell everything to and that will tell everything to you. Somebody that you trust. Somebody that isn't going to be afraid to say, hey, have you done this lately? Are you struggling with this currently? Find a prayer partner. It may be the same person as your accountability partner. It may be somebody else, right? The more people that are kind of pointed towards a task, I think the the better chance you have at having a successful outcome. Find a prayer partner, somebody who's going to pray for you in that specific area. Somebody that you can pray for in a specific area. Hey, I struggle with lust. Pray for me about that. Well, I struggle with lying. Will you pray for me about that? Yes. So while he's there or she's there praying for you about your sin, you're praying for their sin and you're doing it together because there truly is strength in numbers. Now, it's not a secret, and I've told you guys this, it's not a secret in my life that I have struggled with lust. I've been very open about it. Uh, I think that more pastors should be open about their sin struggles. Um, I can't control them. I can only control me, and that's a whole other sermon, okay? But if, if I'm to lose weight, like if I want to lose weight, and I know this is going a different way, but if I want to lose weight, if I decide, hey, I'm going to lose weight, I come up with a plan, right? I come up with a plan. I say, well, I'm going to lift three times a week, and I'll do cardio two times a week, and I'm going to try to keep towards this certain calorie number, and I'm going to make sure that I cut out carbs and I cut out sugar, and, and I'm going to follow this plan so that I can lose weight. I don't just sit there and hope that I can lose weight. I sure hope I lose weight. Oh, shucks, it didn't happen. There's another pound gain, right? And we look at that and we say, well, obviously you didn't lose weight, you dummy. You didn't change anything. It should kind of make this light bulb pop up in your head because, honestly, that's how so many of us handle sin. No plan whatsoever. No plan whatsoever. And so I've told you, I, I've struggled with lust, and it's, um, it's embarrassing. I don't like it. I wish that wasn't my sin struggle. I've told my wife before, because she does know about it, uh, because that's the only way that I'm going to overcome it. I can't, you know, hide everything in the dark. She knows about it. I told her many times, I wish I had any other sin struggle. Like, pick one, I wish that was it, because I hate this one so much. And maybe I hate it so much because it's mine personally, and and it's the one I struggle with. But I've literally had that thought, that expression. I just wish it was anything else. But it's not. And this is my struggle. So I've done something to try to make sure that um, the struggle goes away. So what have I done? Well, at home on our internet router, I've set up a clean DNS, and I've filtered out all adult content. It cannot get into any of our home devices, because if you search for anything that's inappropriate, it's not going to show you. That's step one. That's one thing that I've done. My wife has the password to my phone. My wife has a password to my phone, sets up all content filtering. Sometimes you'll see me hand her my phone. Hey, I need you to unlock this. I'm trying to look up KY3 weather, and for whatever reason, it thought it was some sort of adult thing, and, you know, I just want to know if I'm getting rained on today, Right? And that's not convenient, that's not fun, and sometimes it's embarrassing, because what if people see it and wonder what's happening? Well, now you know, so you're welcome, right? But I've taken these realistic steps to try to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore. I pay for a software 
on all my devices that screenshots anything questionable and sends it directly to my wife. It doesn't have to be my wife, but I chose for it to be my wife because she's the person in that action that I'm sinning against. So if something questionable arises, it gets sense to her, and if she wants to talk to me about it, it's something that she thinks we need to talk about, we discuss it. I've taken these very realistic steps that have cost me money, that make me uncomfortable at times, to make sure that I build a wall between me and the sin that I struggle with. And now, listen, I want to be very clear about something. Is this a struggle that I deal daily with? No, it's not. Is it a struggle that I deal weekly with? No, it's not. Is it a struggle that I deal with every single month? No, it's not. But every now and then it will pop up for whatever reason. Just like with any other addiction, there are triggers. So maybe something I see triggers it and I start to get those feelings. Well, now I have made it infinitely harder on myself to step into that sin because I've done everything I possibly can to build a wall around it to make sure that I can't get to it and that it can't get to me. That's a realistic plan of action that I've taken to overcome my sin. And as Christians, we have to take realistic steps to make sure that we no longer sin when we continue to have a sin struggle. So my question is to you today, what is it that you do to prevent your sin? And what steps are you taking to make sure that you overcome an addiction or sin struggle, I, I use that word. I mean, guys, let's be honest. Sin is an addiction. Sin is an addiction, all sin. Sin becomes an addiction. Sin is fun the majority of the time. We sin because we want to, because at least in that very instant, it makes us feel good. We may hit ourselves later for it, okay? But we sin because in that instant, it makes us feel good. I dealt with the same thing when I struggled with drug addiction. I hated myself later, but in the instant, I needed it. And in the instant, it was fun. And it made me feel good. And it didn't matter how I felt later. And it became habitual, and that's exactly what sin does. It becomes a habit. It becomes something that we get used to doing. It becomes something that makes us feel good at times, and so we miss that feeling, and we, we want that feeling back, and so we continue to sin. And it can be any sin. Maybe you like to embellish your life's feats right? I, I work with people, kids, adults. Man, I want to be guilty of it too. I used to squat a thousand pounds. That would have killed me. I would have, you know, died and murdered. I was an all-state running back at 300 pounds my whole life, right? Like, I'm the smartest man alive. I have an IQ of 275, and you're like, you don't know what an IQ really is, because that's not... <laughs> If your IQ is 275, you're probably dead because your mind just can't take it, right? Like, you'll just combust. Like, you know, people come up with stories, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And you think to yourself, dear goodness, right? People do that all the time. And we're lying when we do it, and it's sinful. But it sure makes us feel good in the moment to maybe make somebody think that we're more than what we are or more than what we were just because we have some other internal struggle, and oftentimes we need to realize that our sin covers up that internal struggle. You know, I think one of the reasons I struggle with lust, man, this is an embarrassing Sunday. I don't know why I'm doing this. I should get another job. Just kidding. One of the reasons I struggle with lust, frankly, is because I have self-esteem issues. It's shocking, I know. The majority of the time I walk around, I'll tell you how cool I am. I think I'm great. That's just me covering up my self-esteem issues because I really don't think I'm that great. 
I don't really think I'm that desirable or that appealing. So when I was younger, I would imagine these scenarios where everyone wanted to be my friend and all the ladies wanted me. Embarrassing, yes. Truthful, though, also yes. And oftentimes there's a deeper issue behind why we sin the way that we sin. And it may have been something that was out of your control. Maybe you were 12 years old and your parent forced a needle in your arm. We see stories like that all the time. Maybe your mom or your dad sold you to their buddies as a sex slave. We'd like to pretend that that doesn't exist, but it's very real and it happens all the time. And there may be very legitimate reasons at your core why you sin the way that you sin, but that doesn't mean that we can continue to just live life okay with our sin because it's hard for us or because we have a real reason why we struggle with that sin. All the more reason to come up with a very viable plan of action to prevent yourself from continuing to walk in that path. If we want to see a difference, then we have to take steps to make sure that a difference is actually possible, is actually possible. And, you know, I'm embarrassed that I have that struggle, but I'm not embarrassed that I shared it today. And I'm not embarrassed that I've shared how I've come over. And I'm actually uh, quite proud of myself, to be frank, because I've seen the areas that I struggle and I've done things to try to prevent that sin. And I think that that's something to be proud of. And I say that because I want you to know that that's something you should be proud of too. If you can be introspective enough to see your sin and do something about it. Not only should people look on you with favor when you do that, but I can guarantee you that God looks on you with favor and says, well, look at him or look at her. They really mean it. They really mean it. You know, when the Israelites came before God and they made this covenant, they didn't make this covenant flippantly or lightly because like I said, oftentimes when you break a covenant, it has a disastrous outcome for you. Death, banishment, life-altering punishment, whatever that may be. And so they came before God laying this before him. You know, it must have really meant something to God. I truly believe that. He must have looked down on that and said, wow, if they're willing to put themselves at risk like this, then they must really want to change. If they're willing to come up with this plan, then they must really mean what they say this time when they say, God, help me to overcome. God, help me to overcome. We learn a second lesson in Ezra chapter 10, and it's this, that we need to prepare for the long haul. Prepare for the long haul. We're going to be in Ezra 10, 9 through 13. Within three days, all the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. And on the 20th day of the ninth month, all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God, greatly distressed by the occasion and because of the rain. It was raining. They didn't like it. I find that to be an interesting tidbit to add. They were before God. They were really upset about what they had done, and it was also raining. And that stinks. So let that, let that, you just know that that's not cool. Verse 10, then Ezra, the priest, stood up and said to them, you have been unfaithful. You have married foreign women, adding to Israel's guilt. Now honor the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples around you and from your foreign wives. The whole assembly responded with a loud voice, you are right. We must do as you say. But there are many people here, and it's the rainy season. 
So we cannot stand outside. <laughs> there again with the rain. I've, they've sinned greatly before God. They just came back from a captivity. There's a chance you screw this all up. You go back to captivity, but the rain is distracting. So he even shows you that sometimes in our minds, it's little insignificant things that distract us away from battling our sin. Right? And we can justify why necessarily this may not be the best time. Now, if we go through it, they keep their covenant, right? But what I'm, what I'm saying is we do this too. Sometimes when we need to attack a sin, and this is not a point I was going to make, but it just hit me, so just bear with me for a minute. Sometimes when we need to attack a sin, we can come up with reasons why now is not the right time. Now is not the right time. Well, I need to overcome my drinking, and it's become sinful in my life, but this is a really stressful week at work, and so I'm going to need to knock a few back, and so I'll start next week, right? We can always come up with a reason why we need to just delay our attack of the sin in our lives. Don't do that. Don't do that. But as we go on in that last verse, it says, there are many people here, it's the rainy season, so we cannot stand outside. Besides, this matter cannot be taken care of in a day or two because we have sinned greatly in this thing. There's the point I'm going to make. Besides, this matter cannot be taken care of in a day or two because we have sinned greatly in this thing. How many of you have ever claimed a victory over sin? Anybody ever do? I, I mean... I, and when I say that, I don't just mean like I've overcome a sin. That's great. Well, I mean like in Jesus' name, I'm not, this sin will not touch my mind any longer, right? Like I'm going to knock it out of the park. And then the struggle and the want to is still there and you just feel defeated. Because so often as Christians, we expect God's answer to be instantaneous. And we expect the solution to be right now. And when it's not, we get discouraged. And when it's not, we say, well, I guess God doesn't love me or God doesn't care. Or, God, I called out to you and I'm still struggling with this. How would you let this happen? The Israelites did something really wise here. They understood that their sin was great, that there was something embedded in them that made it greater and that it wasn't just going to be taken care of in a day or two. They had married women. They had children. And as harsh as it sounds, and it's Old Testament stuff, and I know that sometimes we read it and we're like, ugh. The, the thing that they had come to, the covenant they had made with God is that they're going to send their wives and their children away from the nation of Israel. And that's not a matter that can be taken care of in a day or two. So often we, we sin and we think, I'm not going to do that anymore. God, in your name, I claim a victory. I will no longer do this. I'm going to, from this point forward, I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. And sometimes that happens for us. But more often than not, I would say that it probably is not going to. And that we need to prepare for the long haul because we sin greatly. We sin greatly and those matters cannot just be taken care of in a day or two. And I already talked about how oftentimes there's a deeper issue behind the reason why we sin. There's a, there's a greater heart problem okay, so to speak. And I'm not talking about a physical ailment, just so everybody knows. There's a greater heart problem, a spiritual issue deep down in our soul. That, that's the reason why we sin the way that we sin. And that just isn't going to disappear just like that. One of your very logical steps may be to go get some counseling from a professional to talk about those issues that you have. 
Again, verse 13, the matter cannot be taken care of in a day or two because we have sinned greatly in this thing. It's just so unrealistic to think that our desire for a certain sin is just going to disappear just like that because we don't want to do it anymore. Again, I would equate sin to almost every other addiction. And sometimes we don't want to do that because we say, well, it's not as harmful, right? It wouldn't be as harmful as if I was abusing drugs or it wouldn't be harmful as I'm abusing alcohol or it wouldn't be as harmful as if I was addicted to pornography. But sin in itself, by definition, is just a, an addiction. And it's one because of the fall of creation that is innately within all of us. From the time of our birth, we are born to be sinful creatures. Our parents pass it on. It's genetic. No, you can't just blame them and move on in your life. We need to prepare for the long haul. Sin oftentimes is a result or a continued sin is a result of bad mental toughness. What I mean by that is it's become a habit and we approach this fork in the road where we can either choose to do the sin or not do the sin and we choose to do the sin because that's our habit and just because we're mentally weak and because Satan is back there hammering away that we should do this sin because it's going to feel good and we're going to like it and we're going to enjoy it and it's what we need and blah, 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 right? Because if God is real, Satan is very real too and he's attacking just as much. And when you are in your sin struggle, when you are in the throes of your addiction, Satan loves it and he wants to keep you there and he's going to do everything he possibly can to keep you there. We get used to sinning and to giving in to our desires and wanting that not to be the case doesn't just make it disappear. So while you're struggling with sin, come up with a plan. Get an accountability partner. Get somebody to pray for you. Get multiple somebodies to pray for you. And prepare for the long haul. Prepare for the battle. Don't forget to mourn your sin when you sin. Don't forget to pray to God to admit to what it is that you've done, to just approach him as the beggar, to lay it all out at his feet. Let's make sure that we take the steps that we have talked about over this series. Be specific about your sin. Come up with a plan. Because the one place, the one place that sin cannot have a foothold is where Christ dwells also. And if Christ dwells within you, then you can never be okay or comfortable with the fact that sin does as well. In our lives, before we get to go to heaven, before we get to be face-to-face with God, before we get to live in His glory, is all about striving for the holiness of Christ. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that this message has opened some eyes, that, that what seems so obvious, to come up with a plan to attack our sin, to, to fight against our addictions, is something that for whatever reason so many of us fail to actually follow through with. And maybe it's because oftentimes our sin isn't a tangible thing that we can necessarily see. But God, it's like any other task in life. If we want to overcome our sin, we need to have a plan of action for how we're going to make that happen. And at the center of it, you have to be there. So God, I pray for each and every single one of us this morning, God. I pray that you convict us of our sins.
and just convict us of, of the need to have a plan of attack for how we're going to overcome those sins. Help us to love and be gracious to one another because we are sinners just like everyone else. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful, wonderful day. And what we thank you for more than anything else is the fact that you have sent your son Jesus down to earth to die on a cross for us sinners who didn't deserve it so that we might be forgiven of the sins that we continue to struggle with and that one day we would find a victory over those things that just seem to hold us down. We thank you for the fact that you love us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for the fact that you'll forgive us when we need it. Lord, we lift our hearts and our souls up to you. May you mend them. May you chase away the sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to be right over here up front. I'm going to worship because I think that's important for this time. But I want to pray with you if you need to pray with me about anything. And if you want to have a discussion about salvation or you want to talk about rededicating your life and what that all looks like. If you have a sin struggle that you want to lay out and you want somebody to pray with you about, that's what I'm here for. Stand with us now and let's just worship God. Lay it all out at his feet.
we, it calls us broken. We, we call ourselves broken in that song. And when we approach God, sometimes we think, um, you know, what is his wrath? What is his response um, to me committing the sin over and over and over again? I've committed it five times this week. And, and you know, I'm going to him now. What is he going to do to me? And um, the song says, I can see you now and all I see is your love. All he shows us is his love. Sorry. There's no, there's no wrath. There's no hatred. There's no vengeance. It's just love. Think about your... If you have kids, think about your kids when they do something that really angers you. There's still love, right? There's still love. You still love your son. You still love your daughter. Think If you don't have kids, think about your own interactions with your father, with your mother. If you had a good relationship with them, you know what this is like. You can go to them, right? You can say, I've, I've, I've sinned, I've messed up. And God's love is like that father, like that mother for you and saying, my son, my daughter, come to me. Come to me for support. Come for me. Come to me for help, for strength. I can help you. So this morning, if you're struggling and you're saying, I cannot get past this sin, I cannot get past this struggle, you have to go to God. You have to go to him because he has love in his eyes for you. He will not condemn. Yeah, I promise you he won't. The word says that and I believe it. He will not condemn you. He will welcome you with open arms and say, my son, my my daughter, I know your struggle and I still love you and I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you through this time. The same power that rose Christ from the grave is the same power that lives in us and he's he's ready to give it to you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself as well. These sin struggles that we deal with on a daily basis rule us. They rule our lives. And I, I, I don't want that for anyone in this room. And, and for those of you who are watching this on the stream, I don't want that for you either. So I want to pray, pray for you. And then we're going to sing another song of celebration. And, and guys, forgive me. The band is so awesome. I, I don't want to sing the song that we had planned. I, I want to sing. If I can sing it. I want to sing the sing Sea of Victory. Because we need victory over our sin. If you guys will pull that up, Evan, if you'll find that in the, on the computer back there. We have victory in Christ. God gives us victory. He, he claimed the victory a long time ago. And we are, get, we are being given victory now. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is available to us. Let me pray for you. God, I think, I'm so thankful for you, for your love. We could not do this life without you. I have no idea how people who don't know you survive. We depend on you, God. We need your strength. We need victory over our sin in our lives. You're the only one that can give us that victory. So Lord, now we turn over to you our sin, our, especially our habitual sin, the sin that we come back to. It's a comfort food for us. We come back to it over and over and over again because we know that it makes us feel good. 
and it's it's things that we can't get over and so we we literally cannot do it without your your help help us to find a, a accountability partner help us to get into your word daily help us to know what it means to be in relationship and covenant relationship with you falling on our faces before you daily praying to you asking for your help forgive lord show your the the show love in your face to us so when we look at your face we see your love and forgiveness help us to to overcome we need you god we can't do this on your on our own please please help us lord um please do this for us for this church for crosspoint i want this to be true of us in your name i pray amen um give me a second to pull that song up sorry i know we weren't planning on doing this but i think i was thinking about this song as we were as paul was preaching and i thought um Man, we need to proclaim this this morning. I'll see if I can get through it. Uh, you help you help me out and sing it if I if I uh, can't get through it. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. darkness falls, it won't prevail, yes, cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph, my God will never fail, never, my God will never fail, proclaim this, I'm gonna see a victory, I'm gonna see victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see the victory I'm gonna see the victory for the battle belongs to you Turn it for good. Turn it. 
Amen. I truly believe we will see a victory if we, if we, uh, if we reach out to him, ask him for his support, uh, believe that he has power to overcome the sin in our lives. I truly believe you can see a victory in your life. Um, well, we are not done with this series. There's more, one more week. Um, God's going to continue to do amazing things through this last week, uh, next Sunday. And then we've got a worship Sunday coming up. So I uh, definitely invite people just to come and be a part of what's going on here. Um, thank you so much for being here um, this, this morning. I'm going to continue to pray for you this, every day this week um, that you see victory in your lives. So thanks again.